0: Welcome, everybody, to China Invest, which is a podcast designed to help us understand the why to, the how to, and particularly the when to invest in the China market. And bear in mind that China's economy represents nearly 19% of global GDP, and yet only 1% of investment portfolios My view is that we're all going to have to become a lot more familiar with China and investing in China in the future. And so I'm delighted to launch this podcast series for people to get a better understanding of China from the experts on the ground. And to kick us off today, we're, I'm just delighted to have my old friend Shifeng Ke in Shanghai. He runs a group called Open Door, and Shefeng has been managing money in China for foreigners for around 20 years or so, going right back to when he was in Scotland with uh, Martin Curry. And so I've, I've known Shefeng a long time. He's worked with me with many of the groups that I've taken to China, and I'm delighted that we can kick off our China Invest series by asking him a few questions about his views on the China market and how things are changing and how and the sort of things that we should be paying attention to. So firstly, Shofeng, welcome to the China Invest podcast.
1: Thank you very much, David, for your um, kind introduction. So um, to be honest, with you, since the outbreak of the COVID-19, I have been stuck in Shanghai for almost three years. But the good thing is that, um, I'm based in China I've got the first-hand
0: information. We've got what is going on in China? Thanks, uh, David. Yeah, great. So let's start uh, by talking about the politics in China. We've all been glued to the National Party Congress, um, and the uh, you know the, the the emergence of President Xi and his third term. And, of course, the media has had a lot to say about this. What I'm interested in is how this new government or this new uh, Politburo, this new leadership team, how this is going to affect the economy and, in particular, the performance of Chinese companies. So could you give us some perspectives from your your point of view on how the new uh, government looks from your perspective as an investor in China A shares? Thanks, david I
1: think this question is... The been frequently asked by our foreign investors and also covered by foreign media. I have to say, um, I'm not the political analyst. I'm the equity analyst trying to make money for our investors uh, globally. But we do pay attention to the political situation change in China, and also especially the party, their policies adjustment. We have to follow The macro policies very, very closely. Um, Just regarding the Chinese Party Congress, as mentioned by David, I think after the party Congress pollution, I can see from the Western media side and also the Western investor circles, the initial takeaways were all dispiriting, but not encouraging, I have to say. Um, so their key concerns including the following items no early end to the zero-COVID policy no mention of how to ease the property sectors in China and it seems that this party congress has ended the the appearance of the collective leadership in China collective leadership in China but after Xi Jinping consulted in power, with his close alliance. And uh, it seems that the consensus by West media is that now the new political bureau, so they put probably the political security as a top priority over the economic development. These are the kind of a common kind of conceptions by by, by media. But my reading is um, the party congress at least resolved the political uncertainties in China, at least for five years. To be honest with you, we can't see any other uh, political uh, uncertainty or political struggling within China in the next five years. Uh, Apparently, the new political bureau has been filled with the close aligned trends of Xi Jinping. But we have to face the reality um, in China. We can't do we can change this situation. But we have to learn how to um, basically uh, um, make money from the new economic situation and a political regime. But the second point I want to highlight is that. If you look at the party's top priority, it's still the development. The development has been written into the party constitutions as the party's top priority. So it's really clear. We have party that said that the GDP per capita should be doubled by 2035. Clearly, this is the development that shows that the Chinese the new leadership still cares about economic growth and the Chinese people' will be And uh, the new party has already uh, made very clear statement, opening up is still the fundamental policy of China. So we believe the Chinese-Asia market will be further open to the foreign investors in the next 3-5 years for so sure. So that that's interesting. But what has been happened in the past two weeks? So I think you may have noticed that we have seen the three positive surprises post the Trend Party Congress. If before that or immediately after the Party Congress, nobody believes Chinese new government, the Political Bureau, will make any changes. To the Zero COVID policy, but last week they we have decided to relax the zero COVID policies, and the the relaxation uh, is quite significant. I have to say, but but in the short term, I don't think they are going to uh, completely uh, lift the restriction, but well, still keep okay there. But relaxation, they have made huge progress in this area. We are based in Shanghai been doing country visit intensively by traveling to different provinces by taking a high speed and I just came back from Zhejiang province last, last night. I can see now the restrictions in different places now being relaxed. So that could be very helpful for the economic growth. The second, um, positive surprise in the market is the sweeping rescue package for the property sector. I think probably we are going to talk about this in details. But this is basically a positive surprise. The government has introduced 16 measures to support the, the property sector. So that is clear. The most important, uh, I think, we think is positive, another positive is the new appointments of the government officials. In the key provinces in China, all municipalities. If you look at the current party um, general secretary in Shanghai, Beijing, Sudan, they are all basically intellectuals. All those say the communities with PhD, the doctorate, the panel class, I can say, in panel class. So, very experienced. Um, um, the, the working experience, education experience overseas, working experience abroad, now the working in the Chinese public universities now become the, the, the top leaders in the locals. So this is my reading regarding the Chinese Party Congress, David. So I probably, I just thought here for this topic. Um, I'm happy to, um, to further discussions later.
0: Yeah, so I think you're really saying that it's entirely positive from an economic and investment point of view, because there were concerns that uh, China would become more political, more ideological and potentially close down a bit to foreign investment. But you're really saying the opposite of that, which is obviously going to be good for the markets. Um, but while we're talking about the politics, it's very hard to avoid the U.S.-China uh, relationship. I mean, just this week, um, President Xi has met with President Biden uh, around the G20, and it it seems to be a very positive uh, discussion. And by the way, he also met with our Prime Minister Albanese, which was um, uh, very encouraging too. So some of the international politics seems to have calmed down a little bit as a result of these meetings, although there's a long way to go. But uh, one thing that we all worry about is this US-China tech war, um and particularly the contest for uh, semiconductors and uh, and chip manufacturing, how's this going to impact on the growth of the chinese economy
1: uh thanks david this question has been um in the market for almost four years now since Trump was in the office actually the tension has been articulated since Trump was in the office I have to say um, um I believe, according to my understanding, the sign of U.S. tension still remains uh, here. Uh, if we went back to Trump's time, I can still remember the intense, intensive rivalry actually started from the trade, um, because Trump complains about the huge trade deficit to China. the the Chinese exports actually stole the US jobs, stole US technologies. But now the tensions, now you really have spreading from trading to national security to 5G semiconductors, you mentioned, I believe also to the wiping systems, but now also to the biotech. I believe. The next stage will be to the renewable energy uh, companies owned by Chinese Chinese companies, I think, uh, owned by China, because renewable energy sector now is really dominated by Chinese companies, including solar power, wind power, and electric car manufacturers. If you look at the electric car manufacturing industry globally. I believe Chinese, electric car sector now is dominated by more than fifty percent of the global, delivery car, uh, manufacturing. I think, so I think probably in the short term, I don't think probably there will be um, significant easing of the tensions between China and the US, especially since Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan in August the Chinese government has suspended the limited channels for communication, corporations, especially in climate changes and also in the like environmental protections area. Um, so, as you mentioned, David, I think um, um, probably some of the reasons are very political. Um, we may have seen a period of a calm post the Chinese of Congress, post the midterm elections in the US, this has been already reflected by Xi Jinping's first overseas trade to Indonesia with meetings with Biden, your prime minister there, and, um, and also with most of the uh, leaders of the G20. So I believe, even for your country, Australia, as an important trading partner with China, so it seems that the, the, the tensions have been gradually eased a little bit. I can tell from China's media side, the Chinese media, discussion is it's getting more positive. And so I believe the relationship will be improving um, uh, for, for some way. There are some, this is because this would also reflect into the audit dispute between Chinese government and US government. It seems that um, the agreement over auditing Chinese companies on the ADR, US uh, market, um, had been reached the U.S. has sent their government officials to audit the Chinese companies' accounts in Hong Kong. The inspection, we believe, will be concluded by the end of December. So you can see the news flows have been quite positive. The Chinese companies is in both Hong Kong and the ADRs in the U.S. You can see clearly, most today, have been up more than 15%. So that is a reflection of the the calm relationship between China and the US and between China and both of the other um, major countries in the the world. But uh, we hope, actually, in the next stage, uh, China will resume, resume, communications and cooperation with U.S. and other developed markets in the areas of climate change, ESG, for example, and also in terms of safe food safety and uh, environmental protection. So I believe the U.S. Secretary of State will revisit China in early January to talk about Implementations of the key points agreed between Biden and Xi Jinping. From our side, from an investment point of view, to be honest, yeah, we mm-hmm. have seen clearly the trade war um, has not hurt China seriously. But actually, in the past three years, we have seen the Chinese exporters could actually benefit from. Um, um, the, the, the trade war and also benefits from the COVID lockdowns in other countries because the Chinese exporters we got they have gained much years in the past few years. The key reason is that within China, we have healthy, relatively healthy, and complete domestic supply chains. The production has not been yet disrupted when. The COVID lockdowns in most of the other countries had paralyzed the production capability and uh, uh, capacity. Especially since the outbreak of war between Russia and Ukraine, we can see clearly some of the Chinese companies are key beneficiaries from the the conflicts. um, Because of the uh, energy shortage in Europe, um, production has been interrupted. And the Chinese company increasing their export to the area from the investment point of view. But actually, this is the external factors we still focus on the domestic consumption. That's the key area we're looking for. So at the moment, the exports probably in our total portfolio only account for 10% of our uh, holdings. So there's an impact, but I think probably the impact. Uh, is is very
0: very limited uh yeah good okay so let's we can talk about that so so really my last question shafeng is um you know as a as a fund manager we would expect you to be fairly positive about the market because generally fund managers are um you've painted a fairly positive picture around you know uh, political stability you know strong leadership um the covid zero policy being relaxed um, you know, geopolitical issues becoming less of a concern, you know, the property market looking quite good. Um, and and as you say, the GDP per capita doubling by 2035. So this is, these are all fairly positive, which is not what we're reading in the media. Um, and of course, the market has been pretty weak and disappointing in recent months. So Um, Knowing that you're a bottom up stock picker and you make your money by picking good companies and sticking with them um, and obviously, uh, hopefully, uh, riding the economic um, uh, tailwinds behind you how do you feel about the market um i think you you feel that what you're really saying is that you think the market may have bottomed out now and is starting to look quite positive so what's your outlook for the chinese market in the next six to twelve months and which parts of the uh market will you be looking at and investing in
1: thank you very much david i think this question now we've got a lot of comparisons from all of his clients especially the market rebound since early November. Uh, clearly, so uh, the market rebound quite nicely, I have to say. I think probably before the L- November, the Chinese market, like most of the other markets, was also sold off for two major reasons. The first reason is the economic recovery was slower than expected, caused by the COVID. Lockdowns and the restrictions. So that that, that is clear. Secondly, the Chinese currency, the Chinese currency was under pressure for depreciation because of U.S. dollars uh, appreciation. of the Fed decided to aggressively increase interest rate, so but actually, if you look at the Chinese currency um, against the other major currencies, the Chinese currency has been appreciated uh, a lot. So. So, so I think probably there are two major reasons for the market to collect down. But we do say the two inflection points now, already we're saying this is why because I talk about inflection points um, uh, two months ago, I anticipate, but now we're seeing the inflection points. The first one is the party congress which has already resolved political uncertainties. Secondly, is um the aggressive or the last aggressive type of the interest rate by the US Fed. Probably we have also seen that in November. Um, but now the US inflation has come down a little bit, come down to 7.7% last month. And investors probably think about um the next height of the interest rate probably will be seven. 50 basis points, rather than 75 basis point. Maybe that is the last aggressive type of interest rate. So, so these two infections now have caused the market recovery or quite nicely, I can say. Um, but for in, we are basically in China, I can say from the, China, the Chinese, the local uh, micro point of view, I have seen a few things. The so first one, is the Chinese government, their policy priorities have been shifted to sustaining growth rather than fighting COVID or inflation. So the GDP growth in the first three quarters up 3%, right? But probably we believe the whole year GDP growth will be around 4 to 4.5% growth. This should be much lower than the government their original target, 5.5%. There's no way for government to achieve the original target, but the Chinese government still want to achieve better economic results because they need to generate 11 million new jobs for graduates, because in China, the new graduates each year is about 10.5 billion, the, the pupils, the, the, the young people. So I think from that point of view, the four point five percent this year, probably next year will be around five percent. Probably you believe since all five percent is much lower than six, seven percent a few years ago. But if we compare China Chinese economic growth with major economies next year, we shouldn't look too bad. Because we believe for the U.S. next year will be a potential recession, Europe now will be in crisis. I think probably a decent GDP growth around 4.5 to 5 percent. That's for sure. Second, uh, the macro policy in China is the Chinese economic policy is still diverging from most of the Western economies. So most um, of the Western central banks, they are still busy with increasing interest rate until sometime next year, I believe. But in China, we are in different story. We don't have inflation pressure here. Inflation at the moment is 2.1% compared with 10% US, UK, Europe. Even for PPI numbers, The producers' price index actually last month down one point three percent. So that means that the margin pressure for the midstream manufacturers in China will be significantly eased. I believe that's good for Chinese manufacturers. So the Chinese monetary policies was quite restrained in the first three quarters, just because currency was under pressure, not because the Chinese Central Bank liberated the depression currency, but because the other currencies, US currencies, being appreciated by high interest rate. So I believe when the US rate increase, ticket next early next year, I believe the pressure on currencies in emerging markets will be significantly eased including Chinese currency. So at that time, I think the central bank of China should have more room to over the macro policies. At the moment, the Chinese government focuses on the fiscal policies. That means, investment is their top priority at the moment. So we have seen huge investment in both new economy, economy both infrastructures and the old economy infrastructures. So the new economy infrastructures is a huge investment. I believe probably more than $2 trillion invested into the renewable energy sector, um, solar power, wind power, and the electric cars, uh, I believe. And also huge investment into the healthcare infrastructure sector, especially after the COVID pandemic. The Chinese government is preparing for um, the infections, the COVID infection pick up after restrictions are lifted. So the demand for, at the moment, medicines, medical devices, equipment, actually are increasing uh, significantly. So so we in our portfolio, we, we actually we still like this area. Um, so if we look at the po- our overall portfolio uh, allocation at the moment, the top allocation at the moment is in the renewable energy sector. Wind power, solar power, and electric car battery supply chains. We don't have any exposure to the, um, to the car brands, manufacturers, the EMS companies, just because there's too many new brands here. I really don't know which one could survive in five years' of time. But because there's so many new capacities built up, the demand for the car component, even car components, the batteries, battery-related materials are still booming. So personally I think that that is probably we we won't see huge policy headwind in the next two or three years. We only say probably the tailwind for this sector. The second sector where actually we are increasing our exposure is the healthcare sector. Clearly, this is a typical domestic play for the healthcare sector because China China does not export too many medicines to other countries. Of course they don't want to trust China. They don't trust Chinese their medicines. But the medical devices, um equipment now, uh, because the Chinese government decides to gradually relax the COVID policies, the demand for medicines through the drug stores is also increasing a lot. So we're actually looking for these ideas. Um, and the CRO companies in area uh, should have strong growth in the next five years because both Chinese government and um, corporates are still increasing the R&D activities here. So that is that's for sure. The third area we're looking for is um, is the post-COVID recovery stories. So, privately, the government is still keeps the zero-COVID policy here. But everyone now understands China will gradually um, lift the, the restrictions. Investors are so clever, smart. They can tell if you read the market, you can tell. So. At the moment, so the post COVID recovery stories, including um, the healthcare services, consumer recoveries, consumer service providers, and also the, the, the tourism services. So recently we have bought back the top operator, hotel operators in China. Even the current uh, financial numbers still look quite shaky, but we Everyone knows that so the electricity could recover very, very quickly. Um, um, Should the restrictions are lifted, I think. If you look at the Chinese X um, years, if you look at Hong Kong, for example, when it's an in index, um, it's around five times Q, 46 percent yield. It's below the level of 2008 financial crisis. So, so I think this is a positive opportunity. In our China Asia fund, the growth rate earnings uh, the growth for this year we anticipate 19.8 percent earnings growth. Where can find 19.8 percent growth? Next year we anticipate earnings growth around 20 percent. So we're always looking for the growth stories in China. Normally. To answer your question, uh, David, if we, my experience is that in the normal time, rather than the external factors, if your investment delivers 20% earnings growth, normally you can get the actual return around 10-15%. But of course, some factors will have impact on the market, um, the performance, but normally the existing that. But there's one risk factor, I have to remind investors here is not internal risk factor, it's external. If we believe potential global recession next year, the Chinese exports may be hurt by the global economic growth slowing down. So This is something we have to pay attention to because this year export growth made about 20% of the GDP growth. So so that is the kind of factor we have to pay
0: attention to. Thank you. No, that's very good, Shifeng. So I think you said 10 to 15% for next year, subject to that major risk of the global economy and and potential recessions. But um, I think you've painted a really positive outlook for the China market in 2023. Um, it's great to have you on the China Invest podcast. I, I'm grateful to everyone uh, who's here. Uh, we'll open up for questions in a moment. But um, from from all of us at uh, APAC Financial Services, thank you for being here. Shufeng, thanks for your insights. And we'll see you again soon. Bye for now.